0: Rewind with Oshim Langan
1: It's a difficult group for us There were other ones that we wouldn't have minded being in But that was kind of the same in in, uh, in Nice When the draw was made for the competition in the first place Takes it a deflection, it's a goal!
2: Divacore! five and a half minutes into injury time, it's Liverpool 2, West Brom 2. We'll just have to work at
1: the, that interpretation, again, I haven't seen those figures, but yeah, 15 penalties away from home is um, pretty frustrating. And
2: Leicester pumped the ball into touch, there's the full-time whistle, Leicester have beaten Munster by 31 points tonight, gentlemen, difficult gentlemen, to, be to, be to be get manager. your head around that it's performance at times, they best have produced best some best wonderful best moments, they've had so many line breaks, they've had try scoring opportunities, and yet they've been beaten by 12 points. Of opportunities as i said in the first half we turned over a lot of ball in there 22 you know i thought at times the boys
3: played well we,
2: we took the foot off uh, too many times on our own mistakes
3: i said his right hand would get him into trouble that's the shot i predicted i said he'd overload on his right hand i said i'd slip i said i'd bang the left hook uh, left hook and that's what happened
1: he's beaten everybody he's fought he's the number one contender so he's a serious serious challenge for me i have to be i've done everything possible in training to be prepared
4: and to be 100% ready for this fight. So I've left no stone unturned, and hopefully that'll all show out next Saturday.
0: This is the Rewind On News Talk coming up. We've got more on all of that, plus a sit down with Waterford hurling manager Derek McGrath on the aims for 2016, and the bravery of Morris Shanahan, who has recently spoken out about suffering depression. We talk about how his courage. ...can really encourage others and help others. You also heard from Andy Lee. He was speaking ahead of his world title defence against Billy Joe Saunders in Manchester. Next Saturday we'll have more on that shortly. Obviously we'll talk about Conor McGregor winning the world title over the weekend. And we speculate as to whether or not he can hold two world titles at the same time. He says he wants to do it across two divisions. It was a bad weekend for Leinster and Munster with both losing Champions Cup ties to Toulon. And Leicester, you heard from Leo Cullen on the discipline issues that really affected them. Anthony Foley, also speaking after the Munster game, very frustrated, but he says that they can turn it around for next week's tie against Leicester at Welford Road. Uh, the game between Leinster and Toulon, by the way, next Saturday in the Aviva, is live and off the ball. Also, what a great weekend for the uh, athletes of Ireland. The women's team claiming a bronze at the European Cross Country Championships in France. Fanula McCormack so, so unlucky not to get into the top three and get an individual medal, but her fourth place finish was a major, major factor in the team uh, winning a medal. Now, first... It is Ireland's Euro draw. Here is Ireland manager Martin O'Neill chatting with uh, off the ball's Adrian Barry about being drawn against Sweden in Paris on June 13th, Belgium on the 18th of June in Bordeaux and Italy on June 22nd in Leeds. Martin, uh,
4: I was just speaking to your Swedish counterpart there a short while ago. He described it as a tough group. He said that the challenge now is for Sweden and yourselves to get out of that against two pretty big hitters. Is that your take on it? Uh, Very much so.
1: I think that... um, if you consider really that I don't know how Italy find themselves in Pot Two, um, I, you know this is a side that's won a World Cup not that not that long ago and find themselves in the UEFA Pot Two. So it's effectively I think they're a Pot One side. Belgium now are considered the best team in the world at this moment. It might be a debatable point even in Belgium, but they're certainly a top quality side. And and Sweden know their way around. They just seem to qualify, I think for five consecutive tournaments. I knew that they had done I just got that confirmed there in the last interview and um, and yeah they know their way around so it's a difficult group for us there were other ones that we wouldn't have minded being in but that was kind of the same in, in, uh, in Nice when the draw was made for the competition in the first place
4: Are you hoping upon hope as the draw goes along or what sort of dynamic was between yourself and Roy as the pots began to fill up a little bit?
1: We were having a look, of course, and there was a pot beside us that that we were at different stages down to 50-50 teams. And uh, and and they fell against us. That's the nature of it, you know. I probably don't expect any luck at all in draws. Didn't get any in Nice, and shouldn't have expected it here.
4: Does it help in some regards that the first game up, like there are a lot of similarities actually to the 2012 group as well, and we all know how that ended up. But does it help in some regards that you are against the other sort of perceived weaker teams a big I don't night consider
1: two? I don't. I don't consider that. I, and I do. I really don't know enough about the about the 2012. I know that there seemed to be a lot of hype and there seemed to be a lot of feeling that that um that there was talk about positioning points here, we'll get a point here, we'll get a point there. You were in a tough, tough group. You know, and we are in a very tough group. And that is that is uh, th- that is actually coming from uh, from the seated sides, you know, from, from Italy. So they will um they will I still think that they will consider us a pretty tough pot forty. That that's that's the way I think that they would look at it. But deep down I'm not really that bothered. And more, uh, more looking at it at their own perspective.
4: Does it help in some regards when you look at that Belgium team, for example? And they're obviously the world number one ranked team in the world, but a lot of their key players and some massive names are playing their football in the Premier League. Does that help you in some regards, or is there a bit of a, too much of a familiarity, maybe? No,
1: no. I think that I, I don't think you can know too much about players. I think this is this is. Um, uh, I think that that is fine, not a problem. Yeah, I know a lot of the players inside out. And by the time that the uh, tournament starts, I would have expected myself to know everything about every single player that might be in the squad of 23 for Belgium, Sweden and Italy. So not at all, you know, that's, that's, that's my job. And in this day and age, it, it's, you know, with all the, all the things that are available to you, you know, to the DVDs, the things that you see here, and the possibility of going out and seeing players playing live for their clubs... It shouldn't really be a problem. We should be well prepared for these
4: games. Just finally, the geographic split: two games up the north, mm-hmm. one down in Bordeaux. Yeah. Your reaction to that, and also has that now dictated? I, and can you prob- tell us yeah, where you're going to be based?
1: Think, no, I think it probably it probably will do. You know, um, we've done an awful lot of work out there. the uh, the, uh, the, um, the 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 group have been absolutely fantastic, led by Peter. Sent out and um, and yes, and he has uh, he's kept me informed right the way through. But it would look as if you know that we would be heading more north and south, and uh, simply Sorry. because of the geography. Harris, I, as a base. I, I I I at this minute I I can't exactly contend or, or confirm anything with you. You might have to ask Peter that question in the next forty-eight hours. Thanks a lot, Martin. Okay. Cheers.
0: This is the Rewind on News Talk and that's Ireland manager Martin O'Neill speaking to Off the Balls Adrian Barry about our group at Euro 2016. To enter the ticket lotto by the way go now to UEFA.com if you have been going to Ireland games regularly and you are a member of the various clubs and whatever I'm sure it will be easier to get tickets go to the uh, FAI website FAI. Dot ie Former West Brom, Chelsea, Shamrock Grovers and Ireland defender Paddy Mulligan joins us now. Paddy, an awful lot to talk about today, including the Champions League draw, the Europa League draw, a fairly hot-tempered game between Liverpool and West Brom at Anfield. We will get to all of that, but first, what about Ireland's draw for Euro 2016? The group, obviously, everyone knows, containing Belgium, Italy and Sweden. A lot of negativity out
5: there, but what do you think? I have to think about that one. But whoever is, now, now, now that I'm not thinking about it... Um, that the uh without sounding too pessimistic about the whole thing i <clears throat> i off the top of my head i don't believe we've beaten either country in a competitive game <clears throat> and that that would be a concern even though this might have happened a long long time ago uh for instance i think we have a very poor record against the swedes <clears throat> and everybody is banking on us to go and beat the swedes and yes ireland can go and get uh, get wins um uh, against these three teams provided that the that the the quality the few quality players that we have are not injured, and that the 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 the, the training beforehand goes well. The preparation is is what it should be, and they've got uh, six or seven months now to go and prepare. So I think that's that's time enough for for Martin O'Neill and Roy Keane to make sure that no stone is left unturned. And then you're hoping that your your key players again don't pick up any injuries that are, that's going to make them unavailable. For 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 the Euro finals, if that happens to to, to key players, uh, the likes of Jonathan Walters, for instance, who's been who's been who's been excellent, um, Seamus Coleman, well then you could be you could be you could be in a little bit of trouble. But the spirit of the Irish team, I think, is going to carry them a long long way. Now I know that spirit alone isn't enough, but with 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 the mentality that that they have and they never say die. I think that I think they're going to do uh, reasonably well. It's going to be very it's a very very tough group. Look at any group us in that Ireland are going to be in. It's going to be it's going to be a tough group. There's no such thing as as easy games anymore. Uh now we c we can take heart from the fact that Sweden sort of just scraped in by the, by the back door like uh, like 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 the Irish. Um the Belgians were beaten by Wales and I'm not I'm not so sure Wales are are are, are the are the real deal that some people are are making them out to be. Uh and the Italians well, they've they, they, they've been a few good results under Trapattoni. Uh, I, I know that's a while ago uh, against the Italians, and they they they've got a shortage of front men now. Having said all of that, the Italians can uh, generally will get get midfielders to come through and and start getting a few uh, start getting a few goals to augment whatever might be up front. But having having said all of that, you know, I think that Ireland now could could be in a, in a very very good place.
0: Well, let's kind of keep it with Ireland but at the same time move to the Premier League Bournemouth beating Manchester United over the weekend Harry Arter playing incredibly well in that game despite some horrible personal circumstances he and his partner Yeah, he had a shocking week yeah he and his partner just for people who don't know uh, lost a baby at birth Yes, yeah. and we could see Eddie Howe hugging him by the side of the pitch yes. when he came off and it was an amazing display but um, look it seems kind of shallow to talk about football given the circumstances he played in but he's really sticking his hand up at the moment a good yes, game against and Chelsea and a good game against Manchester
5: yeah, and wasn't, it, wasn't he so brave to, uh, to go and play you know, I'm sure he discussed all of this with his family and they decided look this is the best thing for you to go and do and not alone did he play but he played extremely well I watched that game and he played very very well um, he was, I think, on, on occasions the last Saturday he was even better than he was against against Chelsea. And what I liked about him is his first look is to play that penetrating ball. Uh, and he got Stanislas on in, in on this in, in the second half. Now Stanislas was lucky in controlling the ball that it, it just hit Offman and bounced into his path. And then he he missed a chance against De Gea But Harry Art his, his first look let's get the, uh, the ball forward. Now it must be a dream to be playing for for Bournemouth. Watford and Leicester, because that is their first look to to to, to get uh, uh, their 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 top strikers in uh, very very early, and 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 it's great. Whereas at Man United, at Liverpool to a degree, uh, certainly at Chelsea, everything is, is square and back, square and back, and then wait But Bournemouth, uh, Watford and Leicester, especially and westbound to is great right. they want to hit the front men and, and hit him early and they have the front men to go and, go and do it so why, why, not, why not get the ball in there as quickly as possible when you have front men like the likes of, of Vardy Dini at, at, at Watford and Stanislas at Bournemouth Yeah but
0: Arthur has to be an option for Euro 2016 I spoke oh, to Martin sure. O'Neill actually at the Phillips Awards last week and I asked him look are you going to judge on what guys have done or what they're going to do and he said and I, and I used Arthur as an example and what he didn't say look if he keeps play, playing like this he'll be in the squad he did say no I've got to look on what guys are going to do and what they do between here and, and there at the
5: Euros Yeah and that, that's, that's fair enough to a degree I, I don't think Martin O'Neill or any manager is going to come out and say oh, yes Oshin, yeah he's, he's going to be definitely coming because he, he, you know none of us should be privy to that information all we can do is make up our own mind and what, what we've seen thus, thus far of Harry I would like to see him get a run in the friendly games and and, uh, and see and see exactly what he's made of at international level. It's one thing to play in the Premiership. It's another thing to go and play at international level, where it's going to be maybe a, a, a game of chess on occasions, and especially in the group that that, that Ireland are in. So uh, we wait and see. But I would I would I would think that if, if Harry Arthur uh, continues on in this rich vein of form that he's in at this moment in time, yeah. you know, he's got to be in with a real shout of of, of starting.
0: What did you make of Liverpool celebrating a draw at the cop end? Let's just uh, go through the circumstances for people who don't know. Because yeah. it wasn't on TV. Uh, it was on Off the Ball. We had radio commentary here. Um, Origi with a late, late equaliser in injury time. It took a heavy deflection. Yeah. It was a nasty enough <laughs> little game. Jurgen Klopp and Tony Pulis were kind of ragging Eyeball each other. to yeah, eyeball. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think they've kissed and made up since. And Jurgen Klopp said after the game, oh, it wasn't a particularly friendly game. But what? Like, first of all, what did you make... Of the match because no doubt you saw the highlights. But uh, secondly, what did you make of the, the the cop stand, as we'll call it?
5: Well, I mean the the, the club stand at top was it was a, was a bit crazy, but to a degree I can understand because the tackle on Chan I thought that was a red card. Like Chan got or or, or, or Lovren, I beg your pardon, uh, the tackle on Lovren, uh, I thought that was a red card. Gardner should have walked straight away. Um, he followed straight through. I know he won the ball initially, but he followed straight through. And, and it was a very very nasty tackle. And, and when I saw it last night, I thought, surely that's a red card. But no, no red card. So I mean, uh, Klopp was Klopp was disappointed in that. But Klopp could, Klopp could have been disappointed, uh, perhaps in the way that Liverpool didn't play, because Benteke again is is he, his feet and mind are stuck to the ground. Um, he doesn't read any situation. At least yesterday, he didn't. He didn't read any situation. He didn't take the chance on getting into the box and and, and saying, "Well, this ball might come to the near post. mere, this ball might go to the far post." Never took the chance and in, 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 in getting there. So that's that. That for me would be a, a, a huge worry. Jordan Henderson made a, made a made a good return considering Coutinho back in again after after the hamstring problems. But he's going to, and I'm, I'm sure he will at the end of the season, Klopp. He will address the goalkeeping situation. Because you cannot have Mignolet coming out and flapping practically every game. He was at it last season for a while and then he he, he recovered and now he's back to his old bad habits. He defended
0: again. him in the press conference as you'd expect him has to do. He said, Keepers in this country aren't protect, protected. But then when you look at Joe Hart against Swansea on yeah. Saturday and City very lucky to win that game. Why should they be protected? Well, my point is that he yeah. was protected and keepers generally yeah, are protected no. so he's kind of wrong on that yeah but
5: why, 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 why should Mignolet be protected be protected from what he's got to go and win the ball the ball is in the six yard box he's got to go and win it take it I mean he goes trying to punch a ball when it's there to, to go and just grab it and bring it into his chest you take the ball at the highest point for a goalkeeper, and then you bring it straight into your chest, not down into your stomach or something. like the to ball out of, your, out of your hands, but straight into your chest, and then you then you have the whole situation sorted out.
0: If you were an Irish forward, you'd be looking at that and saying, "He is susceptible." Protection. Oh, you
5: better brave it, knock that ball in because he'll 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 just stay. He'll just stay. Yeah. And if he if he if he comes at all, he'll, he'll flap. But what, what Klopp should be really concerned about that an open play, West bomb created nothing, but from set pieces they scored two goals. Now, he alluded to it last night, but he better start working on it because Brendan Rodgers didn't work on it. Now, he better start working on it because that is going to cost Liverpool big time because they, they, they don't defend property from set pieces. And, and the, you know, the crazy thing about a Russian is that the reason that you give away a corner kick or a throw-in or a free kick is, so that, is because you've been stretched. And the reason uh, uh, you're being stressed is they've got at you and, they, and, and they're attacking you in, in a dangerous situation. So you're buying time to get organised to mark these people. And then they don't get organised. So they've got to, you know, Lover and Skirtle have got to be far more demanding and, and, and punishing, you know, and, and, and assertive in going for the ball.
0: The countdown is on to the Champions League last 16 games. The draw made today, Monday. I'm being a little bit sarcastic there, obviously, oh, yeah. because we, we've we've got a lot of... Why wouldn't wait, you but, be? But look, the draw is there, so let's talk about it. Uh, Manchester City, uh, they're going to take on Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, sorry they're not no Chelsea are (laughs) taking on Paris Saint-Germain Manchester City are taking on Dynamo Kiev and Arsenal someone in UEFA hates Arsenal they keep getting Barcelona and they keep getting tough draws in the last 16 let's start with that one
5: I think the people in UEFA uh, love the fact that that, that Arsenal and Barcelona can play such attractive football Arsenal on the day can play very attractive football but Barcelona are totally different class I've seen a lot of them now in a league this season and they are just incredible I I know they only drew having led 2-0 at the weekend I know they only drew at the weekend but uh, they're, they're an incredible team, and when you've got the likes of Suarez in your team, not to mention Messi and Neymar, Suarez is making so many good runs to release Messi and, and Neymar and give them even more space. Uh, you know, it's it's frightening. I don't see anybody uh, uh, beat Barcelona. I think they'll they'll go on and win the Champions League. But it's it's going to be a very interesting game. But, but Arsenal themselves, I've got I've got no doubt about that. But I, I do think that Barcelona will come through.
0: If Arsenal have all their players back do they have any chance especially if they do what they did to Bayern Munich at home oh, I mean they... can you catch Barcelona on the break you... Oh yes
5: you can you, you have a chance because uh, traditionally Barcelona are in, are in the greatest of defenders and they, and they panic a little bit for all of the, the, the wonderful play from, from midfield and up front and yes Barcelona can be got at but I mean Barcelona would probably turn around and say well uh, Arsenal scored two and we'll score three. That, that's just yeah. that's just the way that they are. But but no, Arsenal, Arsenal will have a, will have a great chance, and it's going to be a, it's going to be a fabulous fabulous game.
0: City, you would expect to get through against Kiev, especially when you consider that uh, Kiev's home game will be a closed door match because yes. of the racist behaviour of yeah. their fans.
5: And then you never know which which, which city is going to turn up. If the, if the real Manchester City turn up, they're a match for anyone. You know, on 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 their on their day, and I, I would I would imagine. That they'll be they'll be rubbing their hands with glee saying, "Danny yeah, we can, we can sort this we can sort this team out." So let let them go in with uh, full of confidence, but not overly confident. And hopefully Agüero Agüero should be back at that stage as well. And hopefully the likes of Silva uh, will still be in, in, in very good form. And also that, that from a Man City perspective, that company is back to go and sort out that defence because they, they are absolutely all over the place. Even again at the weekend, they they just didn't know which end of them was up.
0: And Chelsea against Paris Saint Germain—a tie we saw as maybe straightforward last season, but yeah, it wasn't straightforward, was it?
5: I was—I was—I uh, had the good fortune to be at, at, at Chelsea and Porto there last Wednesday night, and and after after they got through, we were chatting about who they'd like to get. And I said, "I think you're going to get Paris Saint Germain. I just think that that would be a good one for for Chelsea to go and get." Um, believe it or not, uh, even even in the the trouble that, that, that Chelsea the Chelsea are, are in at this uh, moment in time, but that's a big big game, <clears throat> and Chelsea have a lot of big game players, and I think that they, they would they would raise the bar uh, immeasurably uh, against the likes of Paris Saint Germain. I, I think that Chelsea will will just about get through. They're 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 very very dogged. <clears throat> now it was, it was I, I found it very interesting being being at Stamford Bridge last Wednesday night and watching the antics of Mourinho on the sideline. Because I wouldn't have lasted on the Mourinho uh, as a fullback. He just them going forward. You see him just gesticulating at him to Ivanovic, don't go forward. The space in front of Ivanovic and Aspallaqueta mm. was just frightening. It was made for an attacking fullback and get down the line, whip it across the face, the goal in the back of the net. Didn't want it. Well. All night long, did not want it. I couldn't. I couldn't actually. I couldn't believe it, Russian. Yeah. I, I thought that maybe now and again he might turn around and and and, and say no, no, not this time. But oh, the space was there, and of course uh, Porto knew uh, they left the space purposely. I I believe, knowing full well that Ivanovic and uh, Aspera quite wouldn't wouldn't go into the space, and, and they were quite right. But they should have been punished. Uh, Porto and they weren't punished so yeah. we'll see we'll see what Mourinho comes up with it would be
0: interesting to see tonight against Leicester what they do at the King Power Stadium uh, huge game yeah obviously if you're listening to this later in the week you, you'll know what they did listen just before we go Manchester United drawn against uh, Mutuland of uh, Denmark in the <laughs> Europa League last 32
5: uh, welcome to Thursday Night Football you I Man United know, yeah. fans
0: but Rio Ferdinand look there's no point in talking about that game because I won't lie to you I don't know too much about the Danes and we probably know too much about Manchester that United makes, That makes stage. two of us Rio Ferdinand has said that he's kind of worried and he he doesn't think that Only L- now Well in fairness he's he's held his fire and he says look he's very worried about uh, LVG and what happens if they stick with him
5: mm, Yeah and, and and well that's that's their decision um, and I don't see anything improving uh, on under uh, Louis van Gaal uh, unfortunately for, for Man United um, I think he's I think they've they've bought badly. Um they've nothing they've not nobody created a midfield. I watched the game on Saturday at Bournemouth and and and, and United. They've nothing to create a midfield. Not in a million years. Martial and, and, and Memphis potentially they might. But I would be very, very concerned if we're a Man United fan because I, I don't believe they're gonna they're gonna make the grade, uh, either either of those two players strange and all as that may sound but I'm not I'm not I'm not enamoured with their attitude good bad or indifferent they don't they're not making the runs to, uh, in, into the box now. Are they
0: have, told not to though? I mean is that Well he has to
5: you have to score goals you have to get into the box and yeah. score goals But so well, because if, the rest of the team if, are
0: so stilted does that have an effect on them? And well, the is that rest, then the manager's fault?
5: The players have I think that right now and it, this should have happened a while back the players have got to stand up and say look at this is not the way to go this is the way to go and they 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 have to be allowed a, a certain amount of freedom. You you must have that. If you don't have that, you you know you're in deep trouble. Now now, uh, Van Hal by all accounts is, is just an alterian, and and and, and he loves to just turn around and say, "This is what you do. Don't deviate. You can't do that in football. You have to the foot any bit of football intelligence you have, you must use it. Like in the Chelsea case, Ivanovic asked to when the when the run when the run was on. They should have gone. Just go. Yeah. What can the manager do? Nothing. Just go. And 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 makers, and the same for the Man United players. I mean Schweinsteiger is, is is unfortunately he was a magnificent player, but he's gone. He's been he's been after he's been after at the pace since since he went to Man United, and that, that's a that sad situation. But Van Hal should have known this, yeah. and, or whoever is buying uh, these players at, at at Man United, they they should have they should have seen all this. But you know, Ushin as well. The trouble the trouble with with, with 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 a lot of the top clubs these days is that. The man you would expect to buy the players yes. is not buying the players. And the people at the top are not real football people. Yeah. And that, to me, is a huge concern. I'm not saying you have to uh, 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 play it at the top level, but it certainly helps. There's no, no question about that. And that, 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 is, that, to me, is a huge concern. OK, Paddy Mulligan, thanks for joining us on the Rewind podcast. A pleasure, Ocean. thank you.
0: Well, Conor McGregor made good on his prediction in Las Vegas over the weekend with a 13-second victory over the previously unbeaten Jose Aldo. MMA, UFC and boxing broadcaster and journalist Marco Tool. He's previously trained with the likes of Cotlip Pendred and Chris Fields. He saw this coming. He predicted a McGregor win. I don't think he predicted that it would come so soon into the bout. Anyway, we'll get to Mark in just a second. But first, let's hear from McGregor. Who spoke after the bout about um, beating Aldo and his plans for the coming year?
3: It would have been nice if the contest had stretched out a little bit longer, just to, just for all that's it's been through. But I still feel the same process would have happened. Timing beats speed, precision beats power, and and that's it. So, my um, respect, Jose. I wish him well. I believe there are many great fighters. There are many people who do great things, but when you combine it all together, when you combine the whole package, the whole animal, that is the fight game. I don't think there's nobody that does it better than me. Although it was, an, it's a nice feeling to get that knockout. It's still, it's kind of not nice as well. You know, you can see what's happening around, and it's you don't want to see a champ, uh, uh, the current or the, the, the only champion in the in the company's history going out like that. So. I had a little moment where I felt sorry for, for Jose. i tell you one thing that won't be happening. If I go up to that lightweight division, there's no way in hell that I'm vacating my belt. That's not happening. There'll be a belt on one shoulder and a belt on the other, on the other shoulder. I understand why previously they would have fighters do that because many fighters don't fight as frequently as I do. Tell me how many fights I've had in the past year. You know what I mean? I've, I'm busy. I stay active. I'm fresh. So when I go up to the lightweight for that lightweight belt and take that lightweight belt, I will still be the featherweight champion. Also, so I will be a dual weight champion. There's no going up and vacating the belt. The belts will still be active because I am active. I am as active as any of them. So there's no problem with that. So there's no vacating. That's not happening.
0: Well, this is the rewind on news talk. Marco O'Toole is an MMA UFC uh, journalist. Mark, you've been following McGregor from the start, but. Um, even though you predicted he'd win, even you must have been surprised by the nature of the victory.
6: Yeah, I actually tweeted it out. I, I suppose for a, a, for a long time, like, you know, and I was, I was in shock for for a couple of hours when it happened, when Conor knocked out uh, a 10-year uh, undefeated champion, the only champion in uh, the UFC's featherweight uh, Division's history, uh, Jose Aldo, a true legend of the sport, um, and knocked him out in 13 seconds. So I was absolutely shocked. Um I mean, I, I I've kind of not to, to to be too hipster about it, Oshin, but like for a long time, even from his Cage Warriors days, um, I would have said Conor McGregor has the ability to beat Jose Aldo, um, but he had one last surprise for me, and I didn't think uh Conor could knock out Jose Aldo uh, in 13 seconds. I did see a a potential for a barn buster of a first round and uh, the potential for Connor to rock Jose Aldo very early on. But to knock him out clean in the fashion he did, um, I, I just didn't think it would happen after 13 seconds.
0: I don't want to take anything away from Conor McGregor because Chris Fields was on off the ball Last week, Chris, the Killing Fields, a well-known coach and MMA fighter himself, and he said Connor has tremendous power. I spoke to Pascal Collins uh, before, the well-known boxing trainer, and his fighter Steve Coughlin, and they said that um, you know Connor sparred with them and he's got great power. So it's no surprise that he has this power. It's no surprise that he has this punch. So are you surprised that Aldo didn't see that coming, especially so early?
6: Well, there's a couple of things about that. Like, yes, absolutely, Connor is one of the hardest hitters in the sport, the hardest hitter in the sport. He's uh, he's joined the list of about uh, six fighters now. He's the sixth on it of UFC fighters that have uh, five uh, TKO uh, consecutive victories. Um, He's an incredibly powerful fighter. And I could definitely have seen a point where Connor used that left hook. And I think I spoke to you last week about it too. Knock Aldo out when he overextended himself, and Connor has certainly flagged uh, flagged that on multiple occasions um so I suppose God like he does have that power. I think Jose Aldo and Connor said it like Connor thought that he would overextend and and do that jose just didn't uh didn 't plan for it. I think he went out there uh, trying to make an impression um and that that was probably the wrong thing to do. He could have teased it out a bit. He could have taken him to the ground. But Connor's power—it's just as Connor says it himself—a whole different ball game when he gets hurt. But I suppose there's another point in this too, and um, I mean. <laughs> God, when I saw Jose Aldo never looks at his opponents in the eye uh, when he's about to fight, but there was something about him that looked very, very nervous when he was uh, across the cage from Conor. If you didn't know either fighter and you were asking who's going to win, you'd say, well, not that petrified Brazilian in the in, in, in the other octagon. Uh, my thought was, well, this is maybe just Jose's regular routine, but audio has emerged today of um, off-air kind of, Uh, discussions between Joe Rogan the famous uh, co-commentator for the UFC and his producer from uh, the uh, outside broadcast truck uh, from the UFC and uh, Joe Rogan says in no uncertain terms well although doesn't look great he looks nervous Um, now We can speculate as to how or why uh, that uh, audio was released, but I think Joe Rogan was very right, and I was thinking that at the time. So it was a bad game plan plan from Jose Aldo. I think people maybe might underestimate Conor McGregor's power, and they won't from now on in.
0: And it's nice that a TV sports commentator actually was praised for comments he made and was caught making off air rather than being caught out by them. Uh, It's a unique change. It's a nice change. Um, What next for Conor McGregor? It looks like the Crow Park thing isn't going to happen for all sorts of reasons. Uh, But what might happen, and we heard him say it earlier on, is that he wants to be champion in two different divisions at the same time.
6: Yeah, I suppose, um, like the Crow Park thing, I know I know from speaking to Crow Park officials, they'd certainly welcome those discussions, but I think for uh, pay-per-view reasons and timing reasons, it, it might not happen because it would detract from the pay-per-view numbers in the United States, which is the big uh, cash cow. And this past weekend, we've, or we've seen all USC officials uh, say that um, this is trending to be the biggest pay-per-view they've ever had. So uh, why change a winning formula, I suppose? Um, I think uh, there's a couple of things uh, that could happen, Connor. It's, it's only really been pay, uh, taken up by mainstream uh, sports media, by the media in general, that he keeps saying he wants to be a double weight world champion, much like say Dan Henderson or BJ Penn have before them, two absolute legends of the sport. Um, but he's been saying that for a long time. He's been saying it since he joined the UFC. Uh, he was a double weight, a lightweight, and a featherweight uh, world champion for uh, Cage Warriors, his previous promotion. And uh, does he have the ability to do it? Yeah. Absolutely, certainly does.
0: Will um, he be let do it, or, or or let have the chance to do it?
6: Uh, well, Dana Foyt is on the record of saying that he can, uh, you know, vacate his belt and get the winner of uh, Rafael dos for V. Donald Cerrone, which is uh, Foyt coming up in.
0: Yeah, but he uh, said he uh, wouldn't keepers. vacate, though. He, he doesn't seem to want to vacate. It seems to have maybe even put him on a collision course with the UFC. But Connor is in a, a nice position now, where they need him as much as they need uh, as much as he needs them.
6: Oh, well, I mean, like, look, this is a, a a story that's in perpetuity in sport when a sports star becomes so big that you know he can channel the or, or, cha, cha, uh, cha, uh, challenge the organized that he fights for, you know, um, and, and that might be happening. Connor's now in a great position where he's so invaluable to the UFC that, you know, he can make these sort of demands, and he can make the demands for Crow Park if he wanted to push it, uh, although it might affect his bottom line, so maybe he won't there, and uh, he has said for a long time he wants to be the double weight world champion, um, and he's got that option there. The other option is that he would fight Frankie Edgar, who beat Chad Mendes in one round also um, in the the featherweight division, who's really the only last contender that uh, Connor hasn't uh, fought, who um, who could be considered a legitimate channel, uh, challenge to Connor, um, that could also uh, happen pretty shortly. Um, so it'll be one of those two options. Uh, I think the UFC and. Uh, told you earlier about the release of the um, production truck audio I feel like the UFC are positioning themselves so that Jose Aldo um, might not get a rematch an immediate rematch yeah. um, he hasn't uh, I mean Lorenzo Fertitta the CEO and, uh, of, and owner of the UFC has said in the past Jose Aldo moves the needle on pay-per-views it's just the wrong way so um, I feel like Jose might might have to climb up the ladder a tiny bit again if he if, if he continues to to, to Fight on. Um, and then the question comes can Connor actually win at lightweight? Well, he has less of a hard time uh, making weight at that division. His most impressive, arguably most impressive uh, fight to date uh, until uh, this past uh, Sunday morning was against Ivan bushinger when he won uh, the lightweight title for Cage Warriors. Um, again, it was that left hook that did the job. If you um, look at all of the different contenders in that division, uh, could he beat Rafael Dos Could he beat Donald Cerrone? I think he could. Um, I'd also look at uh, the other people People in that division, and the only person I'd really see a bit of danger uh, from would be Khabib Nurmagomedov, who's a, a fantastic fighter who's undefeated and um, a great grappler, as good a grappler as Connor is a striker. Um, but he's mm-hmm. uh, he suffered a couple of injuries over the last few years. So, uh, Connor can definitely do it, uh, whether he gets the opportunity from the UFC to do it or not uh, and hold both straps over shoulders at the same time, as he said, uh, that will be the only issue.
0: Well that would be very interesting. Look Mark just before we let you go as well as uh, MMA and UFC you very much cover boxing as well. Andy Lee in the ring next Saturday night. He's up against Billy Joe Saunders. He's defending his world title and this could be quite a bout couldn't it?
6: Yeah, well, like you know, you talk about uh, fighters with uh, heavy hands and hands that can knock you out, and Andy Lee is certainly that. And I think he's won a lot of admirers uh, on HBO, uh, where a lot of his fights have been featured. And what we've got in Billy Joe Saunders is a bit of a Conor McGregor himself, uh, kind of a guy that uh, that creates interest through the mad things that he would say. So we've been waiting for this for a long time. I think Andy Lee uh, certainly has a renewed confidence since he's won won that belt. I think he's finally, uh, after a couple of false starts, you know, uh, the Julio Chavez Jr. fight, uh, you know, question marks over uh, how Chavez uh, prepared for that fight and uh, certain things uh, was a blip, as was uh, the Vera fight a number of years ago. So I think we finally, you know seen something that we've all taught since the 2004 Olympics where uh, Andy Lee came on the national uh, radar and consciousness is Andy Lee is finally um, performing on the world world stage where he belongs so I'd be picking Andy for it i think it'll be a great fight i think uh, billy joe sanders has provided a bit of needle for it and um you know like let's see let's see another powerful uh, knockout artist from ireland do what they do best ireland seem to be having a lot of joy on the combat uh, sports world stage at the moment so long well, making.
0: okay marco tool mma ufc and boxing broadcaster and journalist thanks for joining us on the rewind here on news talk
6: thanks Oshin. brilliant uh, brilliant weekend for the fighting irish and hopefully another one to come
0: This is the Rewind on News Talk. I'm Oisín Langan and we're joined by Patrick McCary who's a rugby author and sports writer with Joe.ie. A largely disappointing weekend for the Irish sides in Europe. Okay, Connacht got the win against Newcastle in the Challenge Cup. They're three from three but they are struggling with injuries. Ulster got a victory against Toulouse on Friday night. They played some scintillating stuff. They go to Toulouse next week and they have to win. Um, But for Munster... And Leinster, it was pretty awful stuff. Munster losing at home to Leicester. They go to Welford Road next week, needing a victory. Leinster, mathematically, they're still in it, but they'd have to win all their three games and pick up bonus points along the way. And that's going to be difficult against uh, Toulon at home. Wasps away and uh, Bath at home. Um, Let's start with Leinster, Patrick. Leo Cullen talked about their discipline after their loss to Toulon in the stad Felix Mayall he said you know we gave away 15 penalties that's too much 9 of them were at the breakdown they picked up 3 yellow cards he wasn't kind of hammering his team regards discipline he said in his post-match interview he wanted to have a look but he he really can't have been pleased with the discipline and that was a a massive issue in a game that Leinster despite losing 24-9 actually could have won
7: yeah, yeah, the the damage was really done for Leinster uh way even before that game. Um on, on Sunday that's done sun in that this horrible home defeat they had to Wasps and they're on the back foot from there on in and um of all their three games that they played uh in the champions cup so far this season, the the game yesterday against Toulon was their best performance, I would say. They they showed that they had a bit of pride and they had a bit of fight in them and as you said there, it was a much closer game um, than many would have thought and, and unfortunately it was, as you said, it was all the yellow cards that seemed to cost them and the discipline and many people weren't really happy with Nigel Owens and how he interpreted things but Owens kind of seems to reward the teams that look like they're they're on top and they're playing the positive rugby so maybe in in return Toulon got away with a few things at the breakdown because that's one place where they, they completely dominated Leinster
0: there's a lot to build on for next week's clash at home to Toulon and even though you know in all practicality they are out if they can um, mm-hmm. if they can bounce back and, and beat Toulon that would be a big scalp and I was about to say who knows where it could go from there I suppose it's hard because you know they're they're exiting Europe and the Pro 12 as good as it would be to win just isn't the same
7: Yeah yeah it's um, you know it's it's, it's sort of one when people were probably making those plans and booking tickets for this game at the Aviva next weekend um, nobody would have thought that Lencer would have been all but out of the, the Champions Cup at that stage. Um, yeah, just th- so many things that just failed to fire at, at many stages this season, and, and as I said, all, for all the fight they showed yesterday, there was still that lack of spark and inventiveness in, in the side as well, but um, you know, there, there are some positives, like some of the young lads are kind of stepping up when they're kind of needed to as well, and... And, um, you know, it's a shame they've had kind of big injuries, especially in that back row, like lads like Jack Conan and, and Sean O'Brien kind of been missing for them. But, um, yeah, if they can, like I suppose it's, you know, they, can, they must see this now as a kind of a campaign lost, but focus on the Pro 12. And if Leo Cullen can kind of emerge with some kind of credit to this season, like the it's, all the focus has to be on the Pro 12 after this, doesn't it? And, and a kind of positive festive period with all these inter-pro games.
0: Yeah, a game against Munster coming up. One big disappointment, I suppose, of the many disappointments for Leinster was Johnny Sexton's performance. He did okay Mm. kicking off the tee, but from the hand, some of his kicking was very, very loose.
7: Yeah, he he seems to have been... He just hasn't... um, I don't think anybody expected him to be so flat uh, since he kind of returned from the World Cup. Um, and, And considering as well how he started that off in the World Cup so well, but... He just seems to be a guy carrying the weight of the world on his his shoulders. Um, You just kind of get glimpses of him or catch footage, and the body language looks all wrong. Or you know he's cursing away to himself. So it's um, I don't know whether he's personally unhappy with something, or whether the the style of play is something that he's not kind of happy with, or he's forced to kind of you know make some moves that you know Leo and and Gervin Dempsey have kind of maybe forced upon him or something. But it it, it seems to really has affected him and. It'll be interesting to see. I, I definitely can see him starting again the next weekend. But um, yeah, he, he's a type of guy. Like I suppose there's a lot of Lancer players of that. You just you're waiting for this game that sparks them off for the rest of the season, but it hasn't come yet.
0: Was it a signal to Ian Madigan how far down the wrong he is, or how much they don't trust him as a number ten? The fact that that Sexton was playing very badly and Madigan wasn't brought on until really late on the game in the game.
7: Yeah, yeah, it's it's. Um you know, if the writing wasn't on the wall already for Ian Madigan, it's it's, uh, it's painted in bold red type now. At this stage, it's um, yeah, he, he just seems they seem to have made their mind up about Madigan. Maybe Madigan has made his mind up himself, and it's kind of you know, no move has been announced yet, but maybe he has forced something through. Um, but you, yeah, you saw what Munster there when they were struggling and Ian Keatley was struggling against Leicester, they were quick to kind of make the call. Connor Murray stepped up, started taking some kicks out of hand and stuff as well, but. Um, Sexon was allowed to stay on there, and you know, in the end, it turned out to to the detriment of uh, Leicester's cause.
0: Well, let's hope they can bounce back next week. They're up against uh, Toulon at the Aviva on Saturday. It's live on Off the Ball. We had the Monster game live on Saturday night. They actually did a lot of things right, Monster, in their defeat to Leicester. But um, again, maybe discipline was an issue, or was it? Was it just refereed badly by Roman Pott
7: Yeah, again, there was a, there was a lot of people kind of weren't weren't happy with Poit, um yeah, he just he, he um he like seems he's fickle at times with some of his, his decisions that he makes and uh, it's just he seems to be a ref that if you get on the bad side of him early um you're doing so well to kind of get back like you know you'll have to you, you, you there almost is no coming back if you kind of don't tick his boxes in the first ten or fifteen minutes and, and Munster seems to suffer from that and it, it, was, it was similar in a way to that Argentina game that Ireland played in the World Cup where Leicester got off to such a great start Munster just like just poured all their effort and into kind of getting back into that game but then couldn't get that next score where kind of, again, yeah, as you said, discipline left them down or a uh, was a little bit, you know, stingy on them and, and then Leicester came back and just gave them a sucker punch near the end.
0: Even though, as we said, they lost 31-19, there were a lot of positives but what were the negatives and are there things that you think they can get right? Because uh, we heard Anthony Foley say, say earlier on that they can turn it around in the seven days to the, the game in in Welford Road
2: yeah
7: I think it's actually yeah Munster would be if there's, if there's one side that can't turn it around it probably would be Munster or maybe maybe that's me still kind of believing you know going on reputation here but you, you would back them to definitely kind of put up a fight to them and, and get a lot closer but um, I suppose the one um, as you said discipline was one thing but the one big negative I suppose would have been Ian Keighley's performance he seems his confidence seems to have gone out the window um, and, you know, kicking out of hand, as I said, was pretty bad and um you know, and then of course there's the missed kicks as well. Like he he um yeah, he really seems to have suffered. Again considering that he actually like this time last year, didn't he start for Ireland or like you know, maybe ten months ago he started for Ireland against Italy and in, in the six nations and had a decent game and, and here we are in December of the same year and he's he's struggling for form and um you know, you wouldn't be surprised if someone like uh Tyler Blahendahl came in for that game next week and, and was given the kicking duties or, or even someone like Scannell although although that would be a massive risk to take uh, you know who you go with with the kicking duties next week because they're going to need every point that they get against uh, Leicester next weekend
0: It was a strange situation to hear fans boo their own number 10 mm. at Thoman Park but uh, Anthony Foley didn't hold back he said some of those kicks should have been put over by a guy who is an Irish international um, mm. What about Ulster? What a, what a display against Toulouse on Friday night and I appreciate it wasn't to lose his greatest uh, performance. At times they didn't look like they were putting in a whole hell of a lot of effort. But, you know, Ulster still racked up the points and they're very much back in their pool after a, a bad opening day. And remember, they do have uh, essentially a game in hand because their game against Oyana was postponed a couple of weeks back uh, for obvious reasons.
1: Yeah, well, it
7: seems to be that, um, you know, it was a really bad side. Like you'd never expect Ulster to get opened up like they did against Saracens, um, you know, a couple of weeks back there. But. Um, it turned out to be like you've seen Saracens again with they just put oil after the sword at the weekend and Saracens seem to be the foreign team in Europe at the moment um, so maybe that result wasn't so bad and maybe Ulster's hopes aren't as grim as everybody kind of first thought uh, but yeah they they looked fantastic and um, I suppose you could just say maybe the more time that Les Kiss is spending with these guys it, it's starting to pay off and. But they they really are having some young guys step up for them like Niall McCall, or Kyle McCall I should say is is doing great up in the front row for them and Alan O'Connor came in like a you know, young enough lad, unheralded. I think he landed sixteen tackles for them in, in the middle of that game when they had to kind of, you know, fight for that for that kind of position of dominance and and then you have the back line which always has the potential to do well for them and, and is doing great and just to see some great see guys like Trimble get on the scoreboard and, and Stuart McCloskey he's, he's having a great start to the season.
0: And just before I let you go Connacht Another good win Three from three In the Challenge Cup They're away to Newcastle uh, Next weekend But they're running out of players And Pat Lamb has talked about um, Bringing in A back if he possibly can But he will need Special permission for that
7: Yeah yeah And and, You know You're almost You you dread these uh, Monday afternoon Or Tuesday Tuesday afternoon Emails from Connacht Because They're normally filled with The names of seven or eight players From each game Who are not going to make The next weekend's action It's I, I don't know what's going on out there. It's just I suppose it's they're just down to the bare bones and um, you know, as as Pat Lamb has kinda of said since he came in, like he, he lists his top fifteen players and what his preferred side would be at the start of every season and he never gets a chance to play them. I suppose that's just the nature of rugby. Um but yeah, like I don't know, if if he if he can get an extra couple of bodies in you know, I'm sure Pat has the, the numbers for a few players. He seems to kind of find these gems at an hour. So, if he does get that permission, hopefully he does. And uh, you know, because it's a shame to see Connick's like great start to the season. I think it's ten wins from twelve games. It'd be a shame to see that kind of you know all fall apart just because his squad is just ravaged by injuries.
0: Patrick McCary, rugby author and sports writer with Joe.ie. Thanks for joining us on the Rewind Podcast here on News Talk. No problem. Hurling now and a couple of weeks ago, All Star forward. Maurice Shanahan from Waterford made a very brave decision to talk publicly about suffering depression and how he came very close to suicide. Well, Boss Derek McGrath has talked to us about the admiration he has for his player and the responsibility that managers have for the health and well-being of their players. Um, Before we get to that though, we chatted to him about uh, a season that saw Waterford win the league and reach the All-Ireland semi-final. I asked McGrath for his reflections on 2015.
8: Um, You probably have to say that we made relative progress, if you like, going on the back of 2014, if you like. So we made big changes at the start of the year, and whilst we don't feel vindication because we had a relatively successful year, we just felt that we're going in the right direction, and the challenge now is to try and stabilise and progress for next year.
0: I'm not going to ask were you surprised by the results, but did you kind of get from the year what you expected? Did you meet minimum targets? Have you reset goals and targets judging on this year and looking ahead to next year?
8: Not really, you no know, I don't think we were overly surprised in terms of what happened It's just it just sounds very cliche to say that we just said we'd take one game at a time so setting of long term goals were kind of parked at the start of the year and we just gave ourselves short term targets in terms of uh, just winning as many games as possible and building confidence and given the age profile of the team in particular we just felt that if we could win and get some momentum that we'd be not difficult to beat but we'd be you know if we could get some traction along the way that you know the confidence that would be would be gathered from a couple of victories would um, help us and aid us into the summer and that's what that's what actually materialized you know when you look back at the
0: Kilkenny game I suppose people maybe
8: have an image in their head
0: that Kilkenny were just that little bit above maybe had that little bit more but TJ's goal came off a mistake from defence so do you look at in that way and think, well, you know, if we don't make that mistake, maybe the game is closer and we're actually not that
8: far away from Kilkenny, we were closer than people think. Yeah, you look at it probably in a number of ways, I think Kilkenny in the first seven or eight minutes probably dominated us as well in terms of they had a very good chance cleared off the line by Shane Fives and, you know, they looked threatening all the time, if you like, when they went forward and then you balance against that, there was just a very simple mistake from couple of defenders that you wouldn't even normally associate with that type of mistakes if you like and TJ slipped in for a very good goal but yeah I think you're probably clinging to things like that and, and you know you do that and, and when you look back retrospectively at a game you're kind of saying to yourself yeah that's that's the possibility but I think for me key part was about 32 minutes gone, Austin had just equalised, we three minutes to get to half time on equal terms and I think we gave away a, a couple of frees and we went in then two points down. For me there was a big difference psychologically between going in level with Kilkenny and just two points down knowing then that that key phase if you like that championship phase where Kilkenny seemed to turn the screw is coming in that third quarter if you like and for me that was a disappointing thing either to you know not to go in level or even ahead ourselves so I think you know there seemed to be an air of inevitability about it from about 50 55 minutes if I'm you know if I'm perfectly honest even though there was only two or three points in it at the time it was just we were just trying so hard and you know we weren't able to get over the line you know and those games against Tipperary and Kilkenny are they the
0: main games to learn from going into 2016 you know two games in
8: which you put it up to these two teams but ultimately they pulled away Yeah but I think we, we'd be wise to just learn from every game we've played because I think the day that we think we're in the company of Kilkenny and Tipperary will be the rock that we'll perish on in terms of our whole approach I think Waterford's key approach is to be very much kind of ravenous in our approach to every team because we feel genuinely that there's nothing between us and it's not the case now because of a relatively successful year, winning a league and getting to an All semi-final. That water management or players will all of a sudden think, "Oh, we're we're close to Kilkenny." The reality is, I think that unless we're absolutely starving for it, that we're, we're a mile, hundred miles away from Kilkenny. And that sounds very pessimistic, but that's, to me, that's the key thing for us. We need to just be as as highly charged and as um, as ravenous, if you like, as we were last year. And if we if we are that way we have a chance of competing with most teams on any given day, you know. Do you look at those games and think, God, if Pauddy Mahoney was there, he
0: could have made a difference and hopefully next year for the championship at the very very least, whatever about the league, he'll be back.
8: Yeah I do. Uh, Porrig was a significant loss to us. I think we emotionally we got by nearly on his loss, if you like, for the first court game and the Munster final in terms of, you know, you know, not having him and everyone else kind of putting their shoulder to the wheel. But listen, we can't there can't be an over reliance on one player. But yeah, of course he would. You, you is a very clever player. He plays the centre forward role for our team very, very well. He comes deep into the hole there and he's able to pick off passes as well as being an excellent free taker. But yeah, we're hope, hopeful Porgys is recovering at the moment, doing some good rehab work in the gym and that. So we're hopeful that Porg will be available next year. And you know, we just need to be patient with him, and the people of Water need to be patient with him in terms of how he comes back and. Just you know, Portis a quality individual and a quality player, so he'll you know he'll find his feet as as time goes on.
0: Yeah, because the the charge level was that you were too defensive. But if he's playing in those games, maybe it's just that bit of difference and that bit of cutting edge up front.
8: Yeah, absolutely. And it's probably look, it's 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 it's, it's probably a, you know a, a justifiable charge for some people. But you know, I think I just did an interesting thing there in the last couple of days or the last couple of weeks. You know, I think we scored twenty two point five points on average. In terms of the championship this year, in terms of league and championship, which is higher than any 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 previous team in the last five years. So you know, I think statistically, um, our scoring rate doesn't match up with people who feel that we're defensive. So you know, it's I just I was kind of I was weighing up whether to do it or not, and I said I will have a go at it. And we just went got a mean average of all the games, if you like, in league and championship, and you know we're a good bit above other years, which is kind of contradicting to most people's outside perception of how we played if you like. So. Interesting facts. But yeah, look, that that's to me the key thing was getting some traction and then maybe moving it to a new level now in terms of attacking play. But look, an interesting point for me was by the end of the all Ireland semi final against Kilkenny, five of our six forwards were, were twenty years of age and I think people in Waterford and maybe outside Waterford be wise to kinda of remember that. I think you know, I don't think Kilkenny had an under twenty one player on the pitch at that time and five of our six forwards, as I said, were were twenty years of age. So that that'd be worth bearing in mind for everybody, you know.
0: A lot of guys, including Tyd Deborka, won All Stars. Some of them experienced, some of them not so experienced. Do you have to give those guys extra press ups? Do you have to make them put their faces in the mud a bit more, kind of bring them back to earth? Because it's only
8: natural that they get a, get a bit of a boost out of that. They do, but listen, you know, a confidence boost or a self-esteem boost for any individual is not a bad thing. Once they, once it's I suppose, nurtured in the right manner, which it will be. And Listen, if, if the Burke or, or Morris or Noel have a dip in form next year, it'll only be because they've met a better player on the day. It won't be because all of a sudden they, they became a, a different, e, almost an egotistical kind of persona based on getting an all-star. It'll just be because yeah. they, they met a better person on the day. We do love to do
0: that in G8, though, don't we? We love to say, oh, a good game today, <laughs> he's after getting carried away, he's got a big head for himself yeah. now.
8: I think, it's, I think it's just part of the... <laughs> Part of the, the maxim that exists outside the actual group, but, you know, and I think it's very hard to control, actually. I find that very hard to control in terms of, even, even within a group, it's, it's, it's difficult, you know, it can become a kind of a, the rumour mill is, ah, oh, he's not playing as well as last year, should have changed him up, should have changed him. So, look, we'll try and monitor that and try and plan and prepare for that as best we can, but the hope we'd have is that we're dealing with three very, very solid individuals in terms of their whole family background and their whole makeup, you know, Toig is an extremely humble young man. Morris, similarly, has, has you know openly spoken about his own yeah. um, personal battles and has come out brilliantly out of, out of that. And Noel is a hugely experienced guy, both with the media and pursuing a PhD in college. So you're dealing with three very, very, um, as I said, honourable and, and intelligent young men.
0: Do county squads now have to be a bit more insular, have to be a bit more private? They can't you know, tell the world about everything they're doing because, as you say, people are very, very quick to judge without necessarily knowing what's going on inside the camp and look we in the media we're guilty as charged we 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 have so much content to feed we have twitter we have papers we've radio and we're always looking for something and people are always more than happy to take that so is it tough on guys that they have to kind of be this incredibly bonded group but to the outside that kind of it doesn't rub people up the right way sometimes
8: yeah i think that's a fair point it's a fair point and i think it's probably up to us as management to control not control it but you're trying to it sounds a bit corny to say, but you're trying to leave your individuals develop in the manner that they are capable of themselves. So every individual from the three we've talk, spoken about there to any other guy on the panel or, or part of the backroom team, they need to be themselves. And I think if they can be themselves and they can be honest at the same time, I don't see a huge deal in, in trying to control what they say or otherwise. It's you know, we, we, I think the GA and hurling in particular, I think we're, we're striving for to create an ima- a good image of. of what the players represent if you like and we find our fellows fairly affable and fairly you know straight-laced and 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 honest with the media and you know if we can see that honestly when they go on the pitch we've no problem with how they deal with the media you know
0: and honest with their fans as well because they can tweet you know they can tell the world about meeting a mm-hmm. player or whatever um you've had a couple of years in charge now has it has it changed you because you mentioned here at the philip sports awards that you found some of the criticism for example in the first year pretty difficult and and at local level particularly that could be that can be quite tough to take because you know your family are reading it, friends are saying it. You know everyone, and I, look, I'm a Waterford fan myself. You know everyone's a manager, everyone's a judge. We we can all we can all pick teams. We can all do everything better than the
8: actual manager himself. Yeah, I found I have found it extremely difficult. I have to say the first year, and and I think I'll find next year, and, and maybe a couple of years after, it's difficult as well. But that's that's your natural personality. I think it's not it's not that you're overly sensitive it's just more that you actually care about what you're doing so much and and again that sounds really over the top but you're just giving it everything you have and then when people kind of subject you to maybe some sort of personal criticism or that you're losing focus you tend to kind of take it personally it's it'd be, it's difficult at first to avoid that but I think in time you kind of realize that you know whilst you're training with the lads and you're getting a buzz at the lads and you're giving it everything you can and you're putting every thought process you have into it outside of your own teaching career. You're putting everything into it. I think you can kind of justifiably say that that you know you have nothing more to give. So therefore, there's a certain solace in that. In terms of the family, my own wife is a sister of, of 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 John Milan, and I sat in the stand for years. Albeit John had a brilliant career, but when he was starting first, even first, I just remember the first couple of matches where he was being criticised from the stand, and Sarah would turn around, and I I, I would have all the time been fairly patient in terms of ever turning around and all that. I'd like to reach a stage, I suppose, whereby my, my son, my eldest son Fionn goes yeah. kinda goes back to the matches. He left the Kilkenny League game there two years ago. Yeah. You know, and the, the nature of back the, this year Yeah, we're hopeful we're hopeful, yeah. we're hopeful. But he thinks he's a jinx now because he stayed away last year and we were winning a couple of matches. So and how old
6: is he? Does he get he,
8: that? Yeah he does he gets it. And he's yeah. you know, he's like any son and it's not in any way looking to gain sympathy or anything. But like any son, he's sensitive to any criticism yeah. of his dad. Like you know, So that's only natural. That doesn't make him less hard, if you like. But um, yeah, I think he'll go back. And we're just trying to enable him to follow the same mantra that, that Eamon O'Shea's son had today when he was interviewed at the Phillips Awards. He was, I thought he spoke brilliantly when he said, you know, we realise how much he's putting into it. So nothing else matters when it comes to kind of labour criticism, if you like. So yeah. we we'll get him to that stage. And he has to enjoy it because if we're not going to enjoy it, There's no point in doing it, you know.
0: Would you like him to be an inter-county hurler given what you've seen, given the commitment and time you've seen these guys have to,
8: have to give on and off the pitch? I'd like him to do whatever he wants to do himself, whether he wants to, you know, whatever whatever he wants to do from, you know, whether it's hurling, soccer, academically, whatever he wants to do, he can do what he wants and that's not coming across as the perfect father. But yeah, the, the commitment is so huge. You know, I think I just like him to be in a position to make his own decisions and own choice in life. And if he chooses to be an inter-county hurler, we'll be supportive of him. And you know, there's lots that have to, that has to go into that, and lots of look along the way. But whatever he will do, we, we'll be supportive of him anyway. You know? Look,
0: before I let you go, I want to talk about Maurice Shanahan and his very brave decision to come out and talk about his depression and, and how close to the brink he came. Um, we're fans; we want our hurlers to be great, we want them to do well, we want them to win on the pitch. But as a coach, you have to look after them as human beings first. And um, I just think Morris, wow, what he did was, was pretty amazing to, to come out and actually face it like that and help himself but help
8: others in, in the process. Yeah, I think look, there's a pastoral element to, to management and anyone tells you there's not, I don't think they know what they're talking about really. But yeah, he's extremely brave individual. He's an um, extremely humble young man. Um, in many ways, he was... You know, he he suffered really in the midst of of 2014, and we as a management even. I just look back at my own role in it. I remember he was in the depths of despair, and I I, I quite selfishly tried to get him to record a motivational video for the lads ahead of the first Cork game in 2014, which he did. And subsequent to that, then he was in the doldrums again, if you like, in a desperate situation. And you know, I look back at my own role in that. I wouldn't be proud of it, even though even though we tried you know really really uh, hard to kind of get him through it just it 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 became a case where we felt we could solve it ourselves and sometimes you learn a lesson that you know you need to pass these things on to other people you know you feel at times that you can solve every problem i think that's the you know that's the nature of managers at times sometimes we need to kind of open our minds a bit more if you like to what to what what's needed to help somebody but his listen his his stories and i think it's it's brilliant that he's done it and he's done it now because um all the time then there was, you know, I won't say there was wicked whispers, but there was whispers as you know, and people were probably approaching it from a media point of view with a kind of kid gloves if you like, and obviously were in a caring aspect for it, but I think now that he's openly spoken about it and he'll be able to control it now from now on, and he'll be, you know he'll, he, people, people know what he's gone through and look, again it sounds cliche to say that it provides perspective for all of us, but it does you know, it, that's what it does, and You know, when you go home and you watch the Sunday game, you you watch it because Waterford have won, and you don't watch it when Waterford lose, if you like, and you're kind of maddened by it. I think everything should be taken into context with what Morris has gone through. And listen, that's real courage. That's that's what real courage is.
0: And when you're looking at that situation as a manager, is it it hard to decide whether or not you know you're going to give him a call and say, look, Morris, do you feel like you want to play, or how, how do you go through that as a manager at that time?
8: Well, the only thing we did is we asked him straight out, like how are you feel and how you know, and how what what's wrong, and can we help you? And we want to help you. And and then what you do then, and as I said, selfishly you kind of balance that with, you know, maybe we can get something out of the lads based on Morris's, you know, ploy, which is extremely uh, selfish or truthful, but selfish but truthful to acknowledge that and and the follow-up, you know, the follow-up is huge in terms of counselling services and help that's there, and we, we went through that particular process so, you know, it wasn't ticking a box for us, it was more than that it was a motive link between players and management, and Dan would have spoken openly then as a selector, even this year, thanking the lads, the players Watford players and management for their role in, in you know, restoring Morris's confidence and restoring Morris' mental health to what it should be, and you know, of thanking him from the bottom of, of the, the hearts of the Shanahan family, which is—it's a very emotional place to be in a dressing room where a grown man who's won hurler of the year, um, who's won three All Stars, speaks to a, a group openly thanking him from uh, on behalf of his family for what they've done for Morris and Morris being in the dressing room as well—and that's a powerful tool and a powerful source. But it's—it's—it's it's it's something you'll take with you take with you forever, regardless of national leagues, yeah. regardless of All-Irelands, Munster championships. You know that you've. You, you, You've played a minor role in, in in getting someone back on track, and I think that's that's as important as any other in the middle. You know.
0: And as a manager, when you say to the lads now, "How are you?" I guess maybe there's a bit more debt to that. "How are you?" Because it, it's tough being an intercounty hurler, and they they have lives going on, and you never know what's going on with someone. So, I guess maybe. The learning from that is to actually make sure guys are all
8: okay on an individual basis. Yeah, and I think it's something that it's a wider issue, but it's something that I think actually a dip in form or a bad performance can actually act as a catalyst for the for depression symptoms. Like with some people, it like, can actually it's that serious that, uh, as I said, it can become symptomatic. And and so it's it's the how are you is is. You know it's deeper than that now and it's it's going to get deeper I think going forward is where you know I think you'll see before long just besides psychologists you'll probably see a counselor as part of your backroom team and you know and I think that's I know psychologists probably kind of be double up as that if you like but I think that's what it's probably heading to and listen if one life is saved or if one person is helped from having someone like that involved in the backroom team yeah. you know I wouldn't apologize to anyone about, about having anyone like that involved.
0: Derek, look, it's great that Morris is back and involved. It's great that he's okay. Thank you very much for your time. Best of luck in 2016.
4: Thanks, Ocean. Thank you.
0: Well, that's it for this week. We're back next Monday with the reaction to another big Champions Cup weekend. All of the Irish sides facing must-win scenarios, while uh, Connacht have some wriggle room as they go to Newcastle in the Challenge Cup. They've won three from three, but they are badly depleted through injuries. We'll have the uh, Leinster-Toulon game live from the Aviva on Off the Ball this Saturday, and we'll keep an eye on munster against Leicester at Welford Road it's a must win game for both of those teams and even if they win those matches the odds are still pretty long on them getting through to the quarterfinals more live Premier League by the way next week on uh, Sundays off the ball as Watford take on Liverpool off the ball on every night this week from 7 o'clock Monday to Friday they are on air on Saturday at 1 and Sunday at 12 and I'm with you across the week on News Talk Breakfast until next week on The
1: Rewind though uh, take care, good luck Rewind with Usheen Langan it's a difficult group for us. There were other ones that we wouldn't have minded it being in. But that was kind of the same in in, uh, in Nice when the draw was made for the competition in the first place. Takes it a flat jack!
2: And a goal! Divac Origi! Five and a half!
1: into injury time it's Liverpool 2 West Brom 2 we'll just have to work at the, that interpretation again I haven't seen those figures but yeah, 15 penalties away from home is um, pretty frustrating
2: and Leicester pump the ball into touch there's the full time whistle Leicester have beaten Munster by 31 points tonight difficult to get your head around that performance at times they have produced some wonderful John moments Catherine. they've had so many line breaks they've had try scoring opportunities and yet they've been beaten by 12 points Create enough opportunities as I said in the first half we turned over a lot of ball under 22 you know i thought at times the boys played well we, we took the foot off uh too many times on our own
3: mistakes i said his right hand would get him into trouble that's the shot i predicted i said he'd overload on his right hand i said i'd slip i said i'd bang the left hook uh, left hook and that's what happened he's
1: beaten everybody he's fought he's the number one contender so he's a serious serious challenge for me i have to be i've done everything possible in training to be prepared and to be 100 ready for this fight so i've left no stone unturned and hopefully that will show out next saturday